Hello and welcome to episode four of Highs, Lows and the Love for the Beautiful Game, a football podcast series where I talk to former pros and those within the game about their footballing journeys. If you're listening for the very first time, hello and welcome. My name is Dan Fennell and thank you very much for tuning in. If you've come back for more, then I hope you've enjoyed this series so far. And if you want to have a listen to any of those episodes uh, previous that we've done, then uh, you can do so straight after this through Apple Podcasts or via Spotify. Whilst you're doing that, if you haven't done so already, then head over to Twitter and to Instagram using at highs, lows, love. Give us a follow, drop us some likes, retweet our posts and get sharing this podcast. On this episode, I caught up with Jake Howes. Uh, Jake is currently the captain of National League Southside, Hemel Hempstead, which is also his hometown club. Jake, however, made a name for himself whilst playing for Luton Town, making over 300 appearances. And during that time, he helped Luton's rise back through the football pyramid, and he has certainly engraved his name into the history books at Kenilworth Road. Jake also, strange enough, went on to represent both England and Wales at international level. I hope you enjoy this episode of Highs, Lows and the Love for the Beautiful Game. Jake, uh, thanks very much for for joining me today. How are you doing? Yes, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Good time, good to speak to you, good to catch up. Indeed, it's uh, it's been a few weeks since I lost. So it's probably been the longest, actually, longest period of time that I've gone without seeing you for a good couple of years. In fact, so uh, I know, yeah, you you sound a bit happy about that. I, I hope that's not right. <laughs> of course not. Absolutely devastated. Good. But I'm sure once the once the pubs and everything reopen, we can uh, we can grab a drink sometime. Uh, hopefully, Definitely. in the sunshine, dying for, a, dying for a good beer in the sun, mate. Indeed. So. Um, this podcast series looks back at the highs, lows and your love for the beautiful game. And you've had a, a varied career. But if we take you back right to the beginning, when you were a youngster, what is your earliest football memory? So that the the first time that you can remember sort of being gripped by by the game? Um, it's funny. With, with obviously, I've got two kids now, two boys. And my youngest, Ronnie, he's, he must be well, 18 months now and he's, I've never seen anything like it football-wise, like not not talent or anything like that, but addiction to football. Every time I wake up and it's daddy football and he runs around kicking the ball and he'll do it for all day long. Um, but to relate back to myself, I'm guessing I was pretty much the same, completely obsessed with football. Uh, my actual memories of football is when I used to go back to Highbury um, with my dad and we'd, we'd go watch Arsenal all the time. Uh, one that sticks out in my head is the old old Wembley. We went we went and watched Arsenal in the Champions League against against Barcelona. Um, it was at the Twin Towers Wembley before the new one, and it was just I think I watched players then, and I, we we were sat behind the goal. We lost four two, but yeah, it just it it was just unbelievable. I just had a buzz at the game, and and then I also remember I went to Highbury and I watched Arsenal Fiorentina, and Gabriel Batistuta was up front, and I was like. I, I remember saying, Dad, who's that guy? Like, yeah, he looked like a woman. Like when I was a, a six, seven year old, I was like, who's, who's the lady or the girl up front? And he was just like, he was just phenomenal. Um, and at the time, obviously my, my team is Arsenal and always has been. And I'd watch Arsenal nonstop and I left footed. So Ashley Cole was like my hero and Burkamp and players like that growing up, watching them so close to the pitch at Highbury in a, a condensed stadium. It was, it was unbelievable. But 
memory-wise, it, it had to be one of them. I just think going with my dad to, to Highbury as, as much as we can, um, it, you just, it just couldn't beat it. And from there, I obviously... In a in a background of football, you, your dad and your mum, you you they buy your boots with any money they had left over from bringing up a family, um, taking to training sessions and just doing what you can, bringing you up. But yeah, I think watching wise, going back to it, I think they were my my first memories of of proper football. And was it from that young age you always wanted to be a footballer, or you always believed that you were going to go on into um, and make it as a professional? Um, I think so. I think I was so dedicated and my loyalty to becoming a footballer was something that it got me halfway there just because of my attitude and my willingness to make sure I achieve my dream. Um, and I, I was literally addicted. I, it was an addiction where I wasn't, I would nonstop be either improving on myself, improving how I play the game, watching how I play the game, watching other people play the game, watching football 24-7. Um, and obviously a lot of a lot of young lads growing up is is to become a footballer um and i just i just felt that i never got head over heels thinking i was i was some superstar from Hemel Hempstead or anything like that but i always felt deep down like i had i had what it took um and, and yeah obviously the percentage of people becoming a f- professional footballer i think is re- even reducing every day now it's like 0.02% in the uk um which is, I, I just, I don't know, I just had that fight and that attitude to to make sure I achieve my dreams, but not just for myself, but obviously for my dad, my family, to to make them proud sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it was a hell of a journey and it's, it's unbelievable, really. And do you feel like you had to make many sacrifices as a young kid to, to ensure that you got there? Um, I think you as you grow up through... You, you get to certain ages, 16, 17, 18, and your powers have started going into having nights out or alcohol comes involved, females come involved, and the natural cycle of life when you get to that age, it, it sort of, they put barriers in your way, if you like, and it, they test you, your dedication um, to wanting to become a footballer. So I, I got to a point where, yeah, I did make sacrifices and, and I, all my pals would tell you funny stories how I'd, go out on a Friday night like we would as a group of friends and I'll be like, right, I'm going to have a milkshake and then head home at eight o'clock. It was just how I was and it was it, it was something that everyone around me backed me because I knew that I had the potential to, to make it um, and no one would ever try and be like, oh, just have, just have a beer or something. It was never that point. Um, and yeah, I, I just sort of always had that dedication and that attitude and I was so driven to, to, be wanna, to, to wanna make it as a footballer. Um, there was nothing. There was nothing going to make it in my way to to stop me. To be honest, um, I was going to give everything I can and do what I can to make it. And uh, it's at Luton uh, where you made your name, and uh, in two thousand and seven is kind of where that journey began. Am I right in saying that it was at Watford before then? Yeah, I was Watford for for a few years. It was sort of I went through a few academies, like a lot of kids do. Um, where you get handpicked, obviously, and you say, I'll come down and to Chelsea and Arsenal and stuff and come train with us and do this and that. Uh, it was fine, but with me and my background with my family, my parents couldn't do it. It wasn't, it wasn't right for them. And that was always come first. If my parents can do it, then fantastic. But I'm not, I weren't going to miss out on anything at all. So it was more Watford come along, very local, uh, absolutely loved me. We did the Friday was only training in Hemel. Um, for the, for the centres that they run there Friday evenings. Absolutely loved it. Learned an absolute load of different things in football. Uh, and then 
obviously the academy come along and said, look, we, we want to sign you. Um, and I enjoyed it for a little while. Um, I think I was 10, 11, 12, and it was just too intense. I just missed playing with my mates on a Sunday. I didn't get the enjoyment I should have. Um, and I just said, look, I'm going to step back from the academy side of things. I'm just going to play with my mates. And look, if I'm good enough when I'm 15, 16, feel free to come along um, and pick me up from there. And obviously you get the district teams that get picked um, around 14, 15, 16, your county teams. Um, I think I was the only player in our county team for Hertfordshire that didn't wasn't at a club. I just played for Hemel Hempstead under 16s on a Sunday. Um, but yeah, everyone else was, he was either like Henry Lansbury, Victor Moses. These boys are obviously superstars and I was sort of just, just from Hemel, um, no, nothing new. And obviously you get scouts queuing up at them sort of games. Um, so it was quite important that I made the right decision um, with with the choice I, I was lucky enough to have. But yeah, I think it, it was the best thing at the time for me with, with the historics of Luton Academy players coming through, um, the vision that the club see me. And yeah, it, it just worked. It really did. And I, I'm really proud to to obviously played for played for Luton for that long and, and signed there when I was that young. So you made your first team debut in the uh, 07 08 season it was on the final day um you'd only just turned uh, 17 maybe a few weeks uh, before that it was at Kenilworth Road in at Kenilworth Road in front of six and a half thousand people what was that feeling like on the day because obviously you were on the bench did you know beforehand or did you have enough time beforehand to process that you were going to be involved in the squad in the game and potentially you might get on yeah, it was, it was a weird one because it must have been... I must. I was 16 when I was travelling around with the squad the end of that League One season. We were going to Notts Forest, Doncaster. And the time, obviously, Mick Harford was the manager. And he, he kept saying, look, your time will come. Um, we're in a relegation fight. It, it's, I've got to do it right for your career um, as well as the club. I don't want to chuck you in at Notts Forest away and you lose 3-0 and you come on and you sort of... You never get seen again because of you get labelled with that result and the, the form the, the team's in. So Mick absolutely, he played the best he could have in, in dealing with me coming through the ranks. I knew the club wanted me to progress and wanted to give me my debut as soon as I was ready, which they felt was 16. Um, and then it got to the last game and he said, look, you're, you're definitely going to go on at some point. I didn't know when, I didn't know what the score would be at that point. Um, but yeah, he, it, I finally um, got the got the chance to to go on the pitch after months of just travelling around with the first team, learning. And that experience, it did me wonders, really. Um, just just being on the coaches with the first team, doing the warm-up on match days and, and things like that, little things like that just prepare you for, for, your, for your debut and the rest of your career. And was it kind of a, a bittersweet moment because it was it was a difficult time for Luton around that, around that period? Was it a case of, you know, you felt like you'd achieved a personal milestone but yet, in terms of the club milestones, they were very different. Yeah, it was. And, and selfishly, it was sort of like, well, I need to look after myself. And my priority is to play as many professional games as I can. I'm now living my dream as a professional footballer in a circumstance where obviously Luton Town were going through a transition of administration, minus points, relegations. So the club was rock bottom. It, it never been so low. Um and in a way, it might have helped me because it gave me so many games at such a young age. But yeah, I, I sort of had to be, again, dedicated and driven to, to wanting to improve myself and give everything I could. I think it got to a point where I, was, I must have played 
150 games by the time I was 19, 20 years old. So it, it gave me so much experience. And unfortunately, it was because of what position Luton Town were in, where they were, they were selling their superstars. We were, we were struggling in relegation. I think it was minus 30 in League Two after relegated from League One. So it, we had it. We was fighting every game, um, but I learned a hell of a lot from that. And it started off a journey and sort of a target for me, where my my I, I sort of I, I become a fan. I become a Luton fan because of how much the club was going through, and I was on that journey. Um, and yeah, the, the fan, the, the fans, the club treated me like it, it was so nice to be to be treated. I, I owe so much to the club and the fans. It's, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, it started a journey of obviously a downhill spiral where the, the club's been in the lowest points it's ever been. Um, and then the rest was sort of history. We sort of had to work hard each game. And a lot is said about, um, you know, sometimes it's it's hard work, other times it's skill and, and that natural ability that gets you uh, into a professional football. But sometimes it's luck. And do you feel... I'm not saying that you don't have the skill or the natural ability, but do you do you think that that's that rings true in your sense? That actually, it was a, it was almost a lucky time to be there because perhaps if you were there now with them in the championship, those opportunities may not have come. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that in a, there is an element of luck you need to be a professional footballer. There's no doubt about it. That, at, but at the same time, there's times when you are unlucky where it could be could be anything you could be informed to get picked up for the, the national side and you pick up an injury or you could be you know scoring 10 in 10 in 10 and it's just a luck where you're on just just form um I, I do think there's an element of luck regardless how much ability it could be right day right time club be, a, a club could be looking to buy a, a, a left back for example um and their main target is you and they're going to do all they can to bring you into the club um and that scout that day watched you against whoever and that he thought you was the best player on the pitch. So he'll report back. The club then obviously do a report on you and want to buy you. So I think it there's a hell of a lot of luck and un, unlucky stuff as well that goes on. Um, the, the the ups and downs in footballs, I always relate to it as a roller coaster. I've, I've never, I, I, can't, I can't describe what goes on day to day in a football club. Um, mentally, physically, it is, it is hard, hard, hard stuff. Um, and unless you've been in that environment and you see it day to day and you're training day to day and the mental side of things that I, I try and talk to people about it, but it's very hard to relate to is in the sense of you're training every day to play on that Saturday and you'll know on the Thursday when you do team shape or you do set pieces in training that you're not playing. You then have to make sure you're mentally right where you've got training Friday still. You need to be in the team. It comes to the Saturday. You don't know if you're even on the bench yet. It's the sort of the feeling of your own ego and pride to be like, how am I not playing in this team? Um, you then obviously you, there's no rest up and you come to the Sunday and you either come on Saturday for 10 minutes and you had a nightmare. So then in your head, you're playing it over and over and over again. It ruins your weekend. You, and the Monday comes back around and you're back training, you're back to stage one and you're like, right, I need to get in the team. But I fell, I fell down the pecking order because I've come on for 10 minutes. Obviously Luton's a hostile ground and a hostile place to play in front of anyway. Um, fans are very fickle across any team um, and, and you see things online and it, it's I don't care what any player says what any any level everyone sees what gets says online um, and whether it's good it's bad it's it's tough it is really really tough and there's a lot going on at the minute with 
sort of the referees because of the the VAR and whatever, and it, it's it's just not good. It's it's just not healthy. So it is really really hard, and the racism thing on social media needs to be sorted out as soon as possible because it's it's just gone on for too long. Um, but yeah, it, it's even myself at Luton, I see so much good, bad um, personal messages on my platforms, my social media platforms, um, and you just yeah, sometimes you think I, I'm not this is my job, this is my life and I'm hurting more than any any fan could ever think about, you know, about performance in that 90 minutes today. Um, but it's the, it's the whole five days beforehand that gets you to the Saturday. Then to feel like you didn't perform to your best, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It is really tough. Yeah, I don't think there's many jobs um, in the world where, you know, you can work so hard in the week and it comes down to that one moment or that, you know, a couple of hour period and an afternoon where actually the whole week um, is almost like a flip of a coin. Am I going to perform well? Am I not? How how difficult was it for you personally to adapt to that lifestyle of, of a footballer? Because you, you come into it so, so quickly, so young. And I can't imagine that there's necessarily lessons that, you know, the club aren't necessarily giving lessons or sessions on how to deal with this, are they? No, no, they're not. And you know what? They're, the PFA are brilliant and they send people around to do talks with the youth team and the, and the first team with sort of ways of dealing with the media and stuff. But I've got hundreds of stories of, of things where I'd go out after a game on a Saturday evening and, ju- and just loot into the bar with a few of my pals and you'd get, obviously, and it's great that, that people recognise you and it's, it's great and I probably shouldn't have gone in the local area after a game, but they'd come up to you and you either get sort of good or bad sort of things come and, come and being said. I know it's part and parcel of the game. I completely, I, I get that side of things. Um, but yeah, you don't really, for me personally, I come in at 16 and I was just learning on the job. I think naturally I matured so quickly with the experience of, of having the game so young. Um, I, I see it firsthand and we were in a position where anything we did on the pitch, it, it was it was a win for us. You know, we were minus 30 points in League Two. It was, it was on the cards we were going to get relegated. So, it was backs against the wall. It was sort of, you grind it out, whatever you do. Um, and personally, I just had to get on with it. But there was so many instances where media, for example, that that little things like media would, you'd, you'd see a car following you back to your home or following you somehow or little, little things like that. And it's just media. Um, and I'm on, I'm talking about the smallest of scales of, of Jay Cowles at Luton town when he's 16, 17 years old. And you just think what, what's, like, can you imagine what the big boys are really, what's going on for them? Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they don't get paid well enough because they, they really do. But these guys are like elite, elite athletes and professionals. And I can't, I can't say how, how good these people are, what they do. And it's like any, any sport or any job you do, these people are, are absolutely elite. Um, and their pay is their pay. It's just, it, it is what it is. And that's the industry we're in. But yeah, mentally it's tough. Um, I probably didn't do it the easiest way in the sense of I had a baby very young. Um, he was obviously Billy's absolutely the best thing in the world to me. My kids are, um, but I had him very young and I was still a child myself. So again, I think I had to mature quickly being a parent and being a dad um, at the same time of juggling the mental, physical side of being a professional footballer. Um, I had a hell of a lot going on in the football things of, I just got called up to Wales um, I had three three clubs putting bids in for me to go and to go sign for them. I, I went and had a medical at a championship club. 
uh, all the time I'm, I'm 19, 20 where I've got a baby on the way and it's sort of like, I don't know. It's just hard. You don't know where to go. I remember turning up to training once at Luton um, in that season when my baby was due and a lot of things were going on behind closed doors with, with my ex-partner and, and the little man in, in, being pregnant and stuff. So I turned up and Gary Brabin was the manager, massive meat meathead guy. I don't know if you know, but he's huge. He used to be a bouncer in Liverpool. He's managed a few clubs. He's a proper scouse, bald-headed guy. And he pulled me in. He said, Jake, what's going on? And I said, look, this is, this is where I'm at. I've got a lot going on at home. Um, I'm, I'm just not myself. And he said, all right, well, look at this and uh, like do this and do this. If you need me, blah, blah, blah. He was absolutely amazing. Went out and trained. I think it was two weeks later. I think I played this Saturday. Um, we lost, I can't remember the score uh, or against. And then I played the Tuesday. I've started both games, 90 minutes. On the Wednesday, he said, oh, Jake, can you come into the training round on the Wednesday? I was thinking, oh God, like, I know I've not had the best of games. And he said, what's happened? Like, and he related it to Space Jam. He was like, you've lost, you've lost everything inside you. What's going on? You don't even look like you're, you're on the pitch when you've been playing the last two games. I said, I, I'm not like, my head's not here. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and just relating back to your mental side of things where you can't, you, you can't really be set up for anything that's going to happen in life in general, especially not kids or anything like that. I don't think you can, no one can ever train you for that, but. I think I, I did it the hardest way possible and it was juggling a football career, juggling a parent life and juggling a few things going on. It was, yeah, I, I, I didn't make it easy for myself, put it that way, but I think my personality of addicted to do well, addicted to succeed in, in being a professional footballer, not let down my dad, not let down my family, my kids. It's just something I'd, I never want to do and I, I'd always say I'd give 100% on the pitch whether I played well or not. You'd know I'd come off the pitch and I would be 100% give everything so I think there's a hell of a lot in the mental game that people are still getting used to but yeah for me I, I had a lot going on um, whether it helped me or it didn't help me um, people had their own opinions and I was quite vocal and I, I documented quite a lot about having my young one so young um, whether that was right or wrong at the time I just didn't know my headspace but yeah it was a huge huge factor in my life obviously um, but yeah I'd, I'd never change him for the world and it's, it was just uh, mentally there's a lot that goes on behind closed doors that people don't see and I suppose that probably probably shapes you as a person going forward and I suppose you look back now you, you're not even um, well, you, you're close to 30 I'm not gonna uh, it's, yeah it's, not, it, don't say that yet I'm not there yet <laughs> it's very close but you know to have had all of that the life experience um, ultimately within the last sort of 10-12 years is probably going to shape your life for the better for the future, would you say? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I say to people when I, I do chats with them, and I, I've obviously spoke to you hell of a lot in the last two years, so you know me more than most, to be honest. Uh, what I went through on the pitch and what I went through off the pitch with relegations, promotions, having a child at 19, dealing with that, being called up to international, and everything that goes on in football, I think I've, I've experienced. Um, and it, it, it has, and I say to, to the, the Luton board, when I see him, Gary Sweet, when I see him, um, when they come down and play the friendly against Hemel, I said to him, I said, you've made me who I am today. Um, and that is a complete compliment to the club and to the, to the fans for giving me that base in life. Um, because it is, it gives you attributes and different things. And you learn so much about yourself um, and it does set you up for life. And unfortunately, football careers don't go on forever. Um, and you do have to look at different avenues and and earn a living if you like after football and 
different roadmaps that you go on. A lot of people obviously try and stay football coaching wise or go into the media and do talk sport or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. It, it, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of hurdles. And as much as you get praised for, for having, for winning games on a Saturday, um, it's a nonstop revolving door. And I, I was just so determined that I think that got me halfway there. Um, being left footed definitely helped to be honest, but no, I, I, I worked hard, um, to get, but everyone now, you, you see the, the boys in the, in the football league right down to league two and even the conference now, the, the standard of, of football that gets played is, is unbelievable. Um, and you have to be first and foremost dedicated an athlete, um, and your ability will, will shine. Of course it will, but at a minimum now you have to be a complete athlete. You have to be a complete footballer. And that means mentally as well as physically. So it, it the, the game's evolving. Um, thank God, because I wouldn't be able to keep up physically with them boys now that keep playing. But it, it was it was a great journey and one I thoroughly enjoyed. Well, if we look back on some career highlights then, um, young player of the season three times uh, in a row for Luton Town, uh, season 08, 09, 09-10 and, and 10-11. That must have been a huge honour uh, and an accolade to receive because, you know, that's not only your manager saying, oh yeah, you're well done, Jake, you've had a good season. That is the wider public, the fans, everyone connected to the club saying you are the best young player. And I think often in these categories, you know, by 2010-11, you, you'd played a vast number of games. So actually, although you won young player of the season, you were one of the senior pros. Yeah, it, it was. It was a huge achievement for me personally um, and one I didn't I didn't take lightly at all I really really was so proud um, I didn't expect it uh, obviously I think the first year maybe you, you never know you was you, I was a young lad in the team at 16 17 so you you never know you think you might be in with a chance of winning an award like that but not three years on the bounce I, I would never have even dreamt it um, being honest especially with the the history of young players that come through at Luton Town um, they were known for it and, and they obviously still are with, with JJ going through and playing for Leicester. It's, it's the, the, they are known for it and they are a producing club with a, a brilliant academy system. So to win it three years was, it was amazing. It really was. Um, and in being completely honest, it probably, not that the award kept me at the club, but when I was speaking to other clubs and there was a huge amount of interest, it was it was always like, I feel like my loyalty was with Luton Town. Um not because they give me young player of the year or anything like that, but it just showed that how much they rewarded me and how much they rated me as a, as a footballer for their, their, their club. Um, and that meant a lot to me. And I, I am one for loyalty. And if a club pays me that respect, then I, I feel like I would have to, to give it to them as well. Um, not saying that was the reason why I turned down other moves or anything like that. There's a number of different things that go on in football, but it was a huge factor. Um, and yeah, like I always say to people, it was I always felt that like I had a target where I've dropped out of the leagues with Luton Town at their lowest point. And I always wanted to make sure I was part of that path, that journey where they got back to football league status. They get back to where they belong as a football club. And I always felt that like I had to be part of that um, whether and contribute as much as I could. That, that was something that I felt was a target of mine um, when I when I was staying at the club and signed long-term contracts with the club it was it was a goal that I had to achieve well it was during that time that um that you're recognized by by England and you were called up to England C squad but not too uh not too many years later you were then 
done in the uh, the red of Wales. That must have been a bit strange wearing the free lions uh, and, then, yeah. and then jumping ship and going off to Wales. What was the decision was, behind that? It was it was a weird one. It was it was literally so England Sea. I, I didn't hear about it. No disrespect to what they, their setup is there, but I never knew about it when I was coming through. Um, so it's anyone outside the football league. So anyone below League Two, they basically pick their, what they feel is the best sixteen players in non-league football. I suddenly got called up and I was like, wow, this is, this is wicked for, all right, I'm going to go there. It's going to be a great experience. Anyway, the setup there is absolutely phenomenal. You get treated like you're an actual England player. Um, the teams you play are proper under 21 sides. So you're not playing like their England seas, if you like, we were playing proper teams. And I always remember we played actually at Kenilworth road. We played Belgium under 21s and Courtois was in goal. So it just showed you the caliber of teams we were playing. Um, and it, yeah, it was the setup for the England twenty uh, England C was just brilliant. Um, it, it was it was really 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 good and a, a great experience and something I learned a hell of a lot from again. Um, played different positions, played in different countries. I remember my debut in Poland. There was flares over the pitch and stuff. It was just brilliant. Um, again, meeting some brilliant players and br- brilliant friends along the way as well in that. Um, and then yeah, we played we played Wimbledon in the playoff final for Luton for the conference. Um, against Wimbledon, it was at it was at Man City, at their at the Etihad because of Wembley was just built um, and the Champions League final was there, so we couldn't play at Wembley where we we usually would have. And I remember it, we, I played well, we, I played centre midfield, and then we lost on penalties. I scored my penalty, but I had a good game. I think we probably should have nicked it maybe last minute from from a cross I put in for for a striker, but he hit the post. And it was one of the things we lost, and I was absolutely gutted. And then. I think it must have been three, four days later, uh, Brian Flynn rang me up, the Welsh under-21 manager. I think he's a, he's a Welsh legend. I didn't know too much about him, but he's he's a little little player. He's played for Wales and he scored a famous header against Brazil. And yeah, and I thought, Do you know what? This is like another step up from, from obviously England. See, this is where you play Euro qualifiers, you play World Cup qualifiers. And I was like, this is brilliant. Um, got called up, played, played with some hell of a, good players and then you train with the first team so I was playing with the likes of Gareth Bale and obviously Ramsey um, Ashton Williams and these guys in training and I'm sort of just at Luton Town in the conference and no one else was below championship level they were all at Swansea Cardiff and on the verge of playing in the championship and it's sort of me again sort of like the county situation I was where I was knowing I love Luton Town and I was so comfortable and happy there um Again, scouts come come looking, come asking, come trying to put a, a, a number on your head, sort of thing, and pay good money for you. And it just didn't didn't really affect me. But it got to a point where I, I was just loving what I was doing at Luton Town, um, going away on international duty was something I, I dreamed of. Um, and yeah, my my dad's dad was a Welsh miner, and obviously Howes is I think is is a Welsh name, so. It's um, yeah, it, it it was it was brilliant. It, again, it, both of them were, were were amazing, and it was a brilliant experience for both of them. You know, on the pitch that time, that was a a really good period of time for you. I think you uh, become Luton's longest serving player um, at the age of twenty one. I think it was Keith mm-hmm. Keane who then moved on to Preston. That then made you the the, the senior the player within the within those ranks and then at 22 going on and making 250 appearances so a vast number of games there and around that time getting promoted as well that must have been a really proud moment having achieved all of those things and you must have been sort of riding the crest of a wave 
Yeah, I mean that season um, is. I always say it is my is my best season um, in football in my career. It'd be some a miracle if anything like that ever happens again um, for me personally. Uh, it was just it was just phenomenal. It was we obviously went on. I think it ended up being a twenty eight game unbeaten run. It was my best scoring season. Um, I was going to say he scored we, eight goals, which I was. Uh, I had to just double yes, check to make sure it was eight. <laughs> yes, yes, that is right, Dan. Don't don't think that was not correct. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was just everything about it. The group of lads we had there. I, I met pals that I, I stick with for the rest of my life that are going to come to my wedding in the summer. Um, it, it's just. Everything about that season, it just clicked. Um, and it, everything about it, it was just unreal. It really was from the start to the end. Um, and and the, the way the boys performed, we got 100 goals. I think we got over 100 points. It was just it was just crazy how it happened. I, I must have played I think every game, I think, in that season. It, I played must have been so many games and goals. I got assists. For me, on the pitch, it was my best season. Um, we obviously had stars like Andre Gray, obviously, who was amazing for us. But yeah, it was just, it was it was definitely by far my best season I've ever had in my career. And I met so many people in the long along the way, and then and made friendships, which is which is huge for me. Now, as a fan, um, when your team is going for promotion, um, and uh, I'll, I'll say I'm a Watford fan. I'm sure there'd be plenty of Luton fans <laughs> listening to this. But I remember the season that we got promoted to the Premier League in uh, 2015. And I remember those last few games going into into that season. Going along as a fan and, you know, my family have got a, a strong uh, connection to the club. So it means a little bit more. But I would feel physically sick going into games, you know, that build up, you know, you know, when the teams go in after the warm up, mm-hmm. the the, mu- the build up music comes on. Yeah, I would yeah. feel physically sick. Now, as a player, obviously you'll you'll be in the, the change rooms. The, the manager will be giving the final team talk, and you're about to go and line up in the tunnel. As a player, when you when you know that you are just touching promotion, what's that feeling like? It's the the pressure you get each game, each day. Um, from the start of the season, regardless if you're if you're up there or not, but the pressure when you know the title's in your hands, or I think the the biggest pressure game I had was we played at Wembley against York in the playoff final. We had history with York where they beat us in the last two playoffs. They, they were we just didn't get along. It was just one of them teams that Luton just didn't get along with um, for a number of reasons. But we played them at Wembley, and I, I think that's the only time I'm. I'm very, you know me more than anyone. I'm chilled. I'm, I'm very laid back, and I'm, I'm happy, go lucky, and just have a laugh as much as I can. But that game for me, where it was at Wembley, it was against York, and I really felt at that time like if we don't get over the line and get promoted back into the football league, I don't think it could be any time soon. And the heartbreaks of the last four seasons where we couldn't get over the line in the playoffs and. Or we come just we, we lose in the semi-finals against York and things like that, or against Wrexham. I think we lost it as well. Then that game really was like a pressured situation, um, and you feel it like more than anything. And everything you do, you concentrate that little bit more, and unconsciously, everything you do is, is exposed ten times more than it would on a normal match day. Um, but at the same time, when you get over the line, the relief is. It, it, it's the it's the best feeling you'll ever have in football. Um, 
it's even for a fan, which I'm, I'm sure you've you've experienced. It's just you can't relate to it that feeling of promotion. And we we were lucky enough to do it with a few games spare, so everything was a party on the pitch with us, and we were playing with freedom. And it was just yeah, it, to win the league before the end of the season and to have it wrapped up in our circumstances where it was it was more than just winning the league for Luton Town. It was. It was the status of their club being back on the map, being back to where they needed to be with no minus points, going through the lowest point. And for them to get back up, I I felt it more than anyone personally going on the trip and the journey with the club and the fans. And it it physically, mentally, emotionally, it was it was the best thing in the world. And we we had like a, an open top bus and the parties after and the, the me and the, my small like the, the group of lads I went around with in the team like Andre we went to Magaluf and it was the best lads holiday you could you could imagine and all sorts going on and plenty of stories on for another day with that but it was just yeah it, that that feeling of promotion after a season where you work so hard every day and you put everything into it is yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. But a lot of it is relief as well because you feel like you've finally done it and emotionally you're, you're completely drained. Come the end of the season, you're, you're completely knackered. Um, so you have to be fit mentally as well as emotionally because it's it's such a roller coaster as, as I always say it is. And it's, uh, but promotion, you can't beat it. Can't beat that feeling. With those moments, do you have to almost mentally visualise yourself winning and, and how you'd react and to almost like push yourself there because I know um, going to the, the FA Cup final a few years ago I imagined Troy Deeney with the FA Cup above his head Watford celebrating winning the FA Cup with Man City still on the pitch feeling a little bit dejected that's how, that's for me as a fan how I managed to believe that perhaps it was possible sadly it wasn't but is that something as a player you go through? Do you like visualise how you'd react yeah, and that, those I think type of things? People got different methods um, of thinking. I I remember going through mine where I think we had a visualiser come in. Under different managers have different regimes and they they have different things that they want to bring into a football club. And at Luton, we had a quite a big turnaround of, of managers. Um, and I, I believe I can't remember which manager it was off the top of my head, but we had a manager and he came in. He said visualisation was huge. Um, so in the morning of of, of matches watch half hour of clips of yourself on YouTube, uh, everything that's positive. So for me, I'd watch um, videos of goals that I scored or or friendlies where I've, I've done well or certain games in my head where I know that I played well um, and everything was positive energy, like non-stop. Um, and that's a huge thing now in football. It's, it's more than just playing a game of football. It, there's a lot more around it. There's obviously hydration, hydration tests every day. There's obviously a lot going on. Um, recovery-wise, there's a lot more in, in the day-to-day of football um, and it takes a lot more than just turning up on a Saturday play and then you're off till Monday sort of thing. Most clubs now have you on a Sunday morning. So it's it, there, there is different methods. Visualisation is definitely one that is, is just positive. Um, but like I say, different managers have different regimes where tra- changing rooms, I've, I've been in, in dressing rooms and managers are sort of they're one where they don't say anything at all before the game. Not not one word to the to the team. Um, Half time, they still say no word. That the boys have to discuss between themselves what's going on on the pitch. And then after the game, they will then give their feedback to the team. Um, there, there's so many different methods, and, and that's what managers get paid for to give their advice and manage the team. So, but yeah, visualization is definitely one that um, 
it's I think it's a good way of doing it. I, I think you've got to think positively for things to happen. And if you ask my missus, she's she's all over that sort of thing. She uh, always positive, and she's yeah most positive person you'll meet and there's not a bad situation in our eyes so she turns every ne- negative into a positive so she's she's good for me anyway it was 2015 um when you asked to leave luton what was your what was your thinking behind that yeah it was um it got to a point where luton town were Back in League Two, we just finished our League Two. We finished outside the playoffs. We were top at Christmas. We we were, were brilliant. John Steele was the manager. I've got all the time in the world for John, and we're good friends even now. He um, it comes to the end of the season, and I've been at the club nine years. I had a long, hard think about things, and I felt like I was playing in myself. Uh, I never tested the waters in the in the fact that all I knew was Luton Town Football Club. I didn't feel like I was giving everything to the club, to the fans. Um, I felt like I was comfortable um, and taking advantage of my comfortableness at the club. Uh, everyone knew Jake Howes was a Luton Town legend that people used to quote me with and it was amazing that side of things, but I got comfortable. Um, and I weren't performing at my best and I didn't think that was right. Um, and I had a lot of interest from from clubs, which was great. Uh, it, it was great. And it was the first time in my career where I really thought, is this the right time for me now to move on? Um, thank the club for everything and is it worth me seeing if the grass is greener at hindsight looking at it was it the best decision I've, I sort of made at the time probably not being honest um, I think I was very deluded with that all clubs are going to be like Luton Town and it's easy to go out there and get a, a club to pay money for you that what, that what Luton Town wanted as an asking price and it just happens like that and the next thing you're at a new club and you've signed a three-year deal on, on fantastic money and you're in League One, League Two and it's, it's easy as that. Um, and the fans, and you think fans are just going to love you wherever you go. And it's really, really not that case. Um, and I, So I rang John at, at the end of the season and said, look, John, this is my situation. This is how I feel. What's your thoughts? And we had a good chat and he was, he was supportive for whatever decision I wanted to make. Um, and he said, no worries. Like, this is what we'll do. We'll put you on the transfer list. Um, you'll have to discuss with the Luton board that they're going to want a, a fee for you which rightly so the club should do I've been at the club for so long and they they, they demanded a, a price tag on my head um, I said that, that's fine I completely agree it was all on, on good terms um, it, then the weeks go by and the, 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 the price tag's not met yet and these clubs keep saying yep, you're going to be our number one target we're going to buy you we're going to put an offer in today each day keeps going by each week keeps going by and then you start to think actually what, what am I doing? What am I thinking? I'm at Luton Town Football Club. Sort of come out of your comfort zone and start achieving more with the club. Don't settle for just getting them back into League Two. Um, obviously, by then, you, you're in no man's land and the club have put you on the transfer list. They've took away your squad number. Um, they said you're not going on a pre-season tour with them for the first year in, in nine years to Portugal, which was obviously, it, it hurts. And you, you train with the youth team. And I, I had to deal with that. I had to, I had to go with that. And I, I completely agree with the club. They went went about it. There's there's no bad energy from me at all. How they approached it. Um, and I, I quickly learned that in football, you've got to do a hell of a lot more if you if you want to stay at certain clubs or you want to be at clubs. But there, there's no doubt in my mind. If I stayed at that club that season, I would have got a new new contract. I know it was talked about before Nathan Jones come in. Um, 
anyway, the John John was manager. We weren't doing great in the league, and I was still training with the youth team, nowhere near match day squads. Which it was hurt. It was hurting seeing the club losing Saturdays, and I, I obviously weren't nowhere near the squad. Um, it, it, and it was painful. It was the hardest time in my career, um, and the, the bids just didn't meet the price match that the club wanted, which has happens. It happens in football, and I had to get on with it. Um, John then got sacked from from Luton. I think it was January, um, and the caretaker manager Andy Orford at the time, who was the under twenty ones manager, got the caretaker job. And the first thing he did was pull me in the office with the board and he said, look, Jake's got to play Saturday. He has to play. Um, and we had Exeter away and I, I played left back. I played the 90 minutes, first game and we won. We then went on a run for the next three, four while, while Andy Orford was in charge. And then Nathan Jones got appointed. Um, and I've never seen a manager like it. He's absolutely incredible. His, his passion for training, his, his thinking around football is, is amazing. Um, and then obviously, like anything, a new manager comes along, anything can happen. He's going to have his own thoughts, own opinions on players. He played me. He, he, he loved me to pieces. Played me left back every game. Um, and at the time, I was number one left back. He um, was even in front of Dan Potts now. He plays for, for Luton first team in the championship. So it says a lot. Um, and then he, it comes to the end of the year and he said, look, my hands are tied. But you made your choice sort of at the start of the year that the, the club don't feel it's right to offer you a new deal. I said, no, I, com- I completely agree with that. Um, absolutely gutted. I thought I'd done enough for, for, to, to prove that Luton's my club, my only club. Um, but it is what it is. It, 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 you, you learn a hell of a lot more. And if I, I, no doubt, if I carried on like I was at Luton, I, would have, it, it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have played at a level I felt like I could have. I weren't achieving and performing how well I could have. Um, and I definitely would have got offered a new deal. I've got no doubts about that. And who knows, I could maybe still have been there if I got myself together with everything that was going on and I could have been on the journey like I think there's four or five players there now still that are from the days from League Two um, and I could have been on that journey and I've had so many fans players say like James Justin who got bought and he's a great great player um, he wouldn't have got that move if you didn't leave the club because I would have played left back and JJ's right footed so he wouldn't have got a chance um, and they ended up playing him left back because they had no one else there so it swings and roundabouts, it's football. Um, and don't get me wrong, I regret certain things and certain paths, but at the same time, as, as my missus would tell me, everything happens for a reason. Uh, we moved back to Hemel, we had a little boy. Um, we, 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 yeah, we live in a nice house. I can't complain, I'm happy, I'm healthy. Um, and life goes on and that's the main thing for me. But yeah, there, there's slight regrets and uh, maybe would have done things a little bit different but it is what it is and at the minute I'm, I'm captain at Hemel Hempstead my hometown my family are happy my family are healthy uh, that that means more than anything to me yeah and it was um it was after that you kind of dropped down into into the non-league game and was it an easy adjustment because I'm sure you had to then go out and get a job um and and do the sort of normal nine to five and juggle training and, and games with, with a no. with a full-time job yeah, it's not it's not easy at all, and uh, people don't relate to it enough when they come out of professional football that there's you have to provide. Like football's done, like you're not going to earn that money anymore, and and you've got to look at different avenues in life and where you're going to go. I obviously tried to stay in pro football, and I decided to come out of League Two and went to Billu- um, Eastleigh at first, and then I went to Dagenham with John again, and it gets to a point where you're you're, you're then thinking, do I want to stay in pro football, or is the option now? go closer to home 
and get in the real world, if you like, and get a real job. Um, and that's what I chose to do. I chose to pay for Hemel, which I always wanted to do at some point, maybe earlier than expected, but it is what it is again. And I'm, I'm delighted to, to play for Hemel, to captain Hemel. It's, it's amazing. I love it. I love the club. I want to do so well for the club. Um, but yeah, I had to, I had to create a CV, which was funny because there weren't a lot on there. All it said was that I can kick a ball, basically. Um, I got pulled out of school for, by Luton, so I didn't do any GCSEs. I've got no qualification. Um, it is what it is. And I just thought, you know what? I've got to provide. I don't care what I do for work. I, I really don't care. I, I, I just sort of get on with it. I've got no ego to swallow, so I just get on with it. Um, yeah, and I applied for a job at a, a, a company called Forever Collectibles. Um, and they supply and they're the licenses of all the Premier League um, football clubs. So I sort of landed on my feet. They offered me a, a job as a licensing manager where I visit all the all the clubs, um, the retail stores, everything you could think of, get new licenses. Um, it, it's amazing. I, I'm so, so fortunate and lucky to, to walk into a, a job like I have um, in the role I have to stay in football still where I, I can use my knowledge of, of the playing side to now experience the retail side and licensing and how that works. So I'm now on a, a business route, but at the same time, I've still got my fix of captain in Hemel Hempstead. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted with, with my life now and uh, as many demons you can have and uh, things going on through your pro career. I think now how far I've come in myself, which I'm so proud of, is um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a dad and I, I see my kids and I spend so much time with them now and and for me it's it's the most important thing. So, almost thirty. What does the next uh, what's the next chapter What's the next chapter look like for for Jake House? <laughs> for me, um, well, bloody hope we can have a wedding. To be honest, we postponed <laughs> it twice. Um, we've got a new date of August now, which I, we're we're thinking looking by the announcements and stuff Boris has given that June the 21st is our, our release date. Um, so we've pushed it back to August, um, August the 13th and it's a Friday. So, but we thought, you know what, we can't have any more bad luck. So let's just go for it. Um, yeah, we're excited for that. I turn 30 next month. I don't know. I just, I just want normality um, and as many people to stay safe because I think it's, it's a scary, scary thing that's going on in the last year or so. Um, and people don't really appreciate it as much as they maybe should have. Um, and they're a bit blase and we're in this mess for a reason. And thank God for the vaccinations and absolute credit to, to everyone, how quickly the NHS of, of getting these out to people and the, the right people as well. So hopefully after my third, if I can celebrate at end of the year, um, have the wedding, um, and who knows, who knows what's going to happen. Love to stay in football. Um, Turning 30, I still think I'm, I've got three, four years left in me at least. Um, who knows if I go into coaching, I'd be, I'd be happy to walk into Hemel um, and, and stay as a player coach for the next three years. Um, I think I can offer a lot of experience. Um, definitely, definitely can use that to, to help the club. But yeah, that's, that's my goal. Um, but everything's good in my life. I, I can't complain at all. And then just to finish up, what if uh, if you had to sort of rank your your highs and your lows? What would what would your top high be? The highest point of your top high. Career? I think I'd have a joint if I'm being honest. I think the top high for me is signing that first professional contract um, and showing it to my dad and being like, Dad, I've made it. 
as as cheesy as cliche as it is, it it literally it is yeah. It, I couldn't put it into words what that meant. Just not just for me, but for for my dad who obviously lives and breathes what what I do and his kids do as well. But yeah, for me, I think signing your first professional contract as as a a footballer and achieving your dreams is yeah I can't put it into words um but again which is runs quite parallel is is that season we won the league and what we did on the in that season and the relief of the end of that season and the whole year that surrounded promotion that year um it it goes pretty close to be honest and uh, your lowest moment what would you say that was lowest moment would be it would be being completely honest is is asking to leave the football club that made me who I am that gave me a base in life um, I wouldn't say regrets I don't like using the word regrets I think everything happens for a reason but I think it, it I should have dealt with it a hell of a lot better um, and looking back at it in hindsight which is a wonderful thing it, I, I would have I would have dealt with it in a different way but I think leaving Luton Town Football Club was by far the the, the hardest thing I've ever done and emotionally it, it it was hard to get across. It was hard to do because Luton was my family. It, people, fans, the, the board, the chef, the kit man, the, the, the physios, everyone watched me from, from a boy turn into a man in, in that nine, ten years. So it was it was an amazing journey. Um, but yeah, my regret was not dealing with that in the right way, I think. And then obviously being released from the club that that's all you love and you, you care for more than anything is, uh, is pretty hard, pretty hard to do. And uh, finally, why why do you love this beautiful game? I love it because of the highs, because of the emotion that's involved. I think you, you can't, there, there's nothing that, that compares to it in football. The 90 minutes you're on a football pitch where you're, you're in your own world and that if you have worries, then they're, they're off the pitch. It's just you on a football pitch with 10 other men on your team to get three points. And I think it's it's... It's a weird but wonderful thing that happens on a football pitch, whatever level, all the way down to watching my 10-year-old play on a Sunday morning. That feeling when you cross the right white line is it's just brilliant. It, it really is. And there's there's not a passion that I can relate to barring that that is uh, that I, I find anything close to that feeling of, of playing a, a match of football and the whole hype beforehand, the warm-up, the whole atmosphere where, when hopefully we have fans back next season. But fans obviously talking about the game thinking how you're going to play it and then obviously winning the game it's uh, nothing can compare to that well jake uh, i really appreciate you taking some time out to to speak to me today thank you very much um wish you the best uh, of luck going forward and enjoy your wedding in august hopefully yes no fingers crossed but no top man thanks for your time um been a pleasure as always That's all we've got time for for this edition of Highs, Lows and the Love for the Beautiful Game. And in fact, it's the last one in this mini-series whilst we just take a mini-break. It's obviously um, hotting up uh, in the footballing world with the season ending. So we're going to take a short break just whilst uh, players uh, finish their season. But don't worry, we'll be back probably in the off-season and around pre-season with some more interviews. Uh, but my thanks go out to Jake uh, for his time for this episode, to Gifton Noel Williams for the first episode, Jordan Parks for the second, and Ben Greenhow for the third. And also, thanks very much to all of you that have tuned in and listened. Uh, it's been overwhelming, the amount of um, listens that we've had and the amount of uh, 
reaction from different people uh, throughout the uh, episode. So thank you very much to you. Uh, as I say, we'll be back very shortly with uh, with more episodes. But uh, enjoy uh, the remaining of the season. I'm sure it's uh, going to be a tightly contested uh, championship season for sure. Uh, who knows what might happen in the Premier League with the Champions League uh, race. But uh, for now, thanks very much. See you soon. <laughs>